sound of that tractor means that it's time for us to get to work. You're listening to the Give Us the Dirt podcast powered by Hoopa Grading Company. My name is Brandon Lindsay, and I am your host today. So I am so excited about this episode. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Today, we actually take things up a notch. So many of you have probably heard the name BB&T. You may know the name as a BB&T on the tower in Winston-Salem, a ballpark in Charlotte, or a bank in the corner uh, of your neighborhood. It's been a couple of years since the former community bank merged with SunTrust Bank to become what is now known as Truist. The Truist name now adorns the Charlotte Knights home stadium as well as a central tower in uptown Charlotte. And in an era of bank consolidations, it takes a very special leader that can lead a merger of two smaller regional banks into the nation's sixth largest. Well, that very special leader is sitting with us here today on the Give Us the Dirt podcast. Kelly King's rise from a tobacco farm in Zebulon, North Carolina, to the CEO of a major national bank is not that different from the bank itself, one that he joined in 1972. Nearly 50 years later, he stepped down from the CEO role on his birthday, uh, just in time to join us in the Hoopa Grading Studio. It's an honor to welcome you here, Mr. King. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you. So I could spend the next 30 minutes uh, talking about your history and your, all your accomplishments because it's, it's, it's amazing, right? It's a great story, but we do things a little bit different as a way to introduce you to our listeners here. And we like to ask you, if your wife was out with a bunch of friends and she was having to introduce you to people that did not know you, how would your wife introduce Kelly King to the people that she was with? Well, she'd say he's, uh, he's pretty good at taking out the trash. Man, he's, he's really good as a father, uh, and he's a good partner. Um, she, would, she would also, I think, say that um, I've been a very blessed person uh, that has been able to, um, you know, come from meager background uh, and have the opportunity to work with a lot of great people and make some contributions to the world that uh, that has made me happy. What a great, what a great story. That's great. Well, you you have done all that, and we're going to dig into some of those things because mm-hmm. I am just fascinated by your story and and even the beginning there and how it all started. Um, people are going to ask, Brandon, how in the world did you land Kelly King on the Give Us a Dirt podcast today? Because, I mean, let's take, for real, you're, you're a pretty big deal, right? And your time is very valuable. And so I want to let people know that this happened because of a couple of reasons. Number one, we've had a partnership. But you guys have serviced our company. You've been a partner to us as BB&T and now as Truist for many, many years. We were talking about it before the podcast that you guys had been a part of of our success and our story. And so that that partnership's been in place a long time. But secondly, your team has been able to, uh, which your team is very proud of what you guys have at, at Truist. And uh, they've been able to identify some common threads between our cultures. And, and so I want to talk about three of those today. Number one was going to be that purpose, mission, and values. Number two, I want to talk about how our companies have been able to grow without focusing on growth. And then third, I want to talk about this purpose-driven leadership that I know you are extremely passionate about. And so I want to dive into those. You've been pretty open and transparent about your childhood and growing up in a tobacco farm in eastern North Carolina. And there's no question that those experiences have helped shape you as a man and as a leader. 
Tell me, what is the biggest thing that you carried away from those early years that you still lean on today? Well, I think the, <clears throat> I think the main thing was because we were, it was not just a farm, it was a very small farm, uh, and we were very poor. Um, and uh, my dad was, a, uh, in the early years, was a, a pretty bad alcoholic. Um, I'd like to quickly add that later he became a strong Christian and was a good man, but when we were growing up, it was a, it was a tough uh, environment. Uh, and so what I learned coming out of that was that if you are driven, uh, you can achieve uh, many things that you may not have thought you could have achieved coming from where you came from. Uh, and so that gives you a sense of confidence as you go as you go through life. I mean, when people ask me early on, uh, maybe a midpoint in my career, they so did you always want to be CEO of the company? And, and I said, look, where I came from, if you'd have told me I could possibly be a bank branch manager, I would have said that would be the greatest achievement in my entire life because of where I was coming from. Uh, but I, but I, I did learn from working those hard days in the tobacco fields and the cotton fields. I moved dirt a different way than you move it at your company. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but I did learn that I could work and I could achieve and, and try hard uh, and could accomplish things that maybe others wouldn't think you could naturally achieve. What a great thing to take away. It's, and, and I think coming through something like that, experiences like that, the word can't doesn't register. Right. And my mom used to say, when I was a youngster, I would use can't all the time. She would say, can't never did anything. Mm -hmm. But I'll share with your audience uh, a, a couple of uh, lessons that my dad taught me on that, uh, in that experience. So <clears throat> when I was a youngster learning how to drive a tractor uh, and plow fields, uh, if you've ever done those, when you plow the field for, say, cotton or tobacco, you know, you want to have your rows very straight all the way across the whole field. And so when I would start out, you know, my, my dad would be back behind the tractor, but, you know, my mind would be wandering and I'd be thinking about everything in the world. And you can imagine my rows look like S's versus straight I's. Um, and so I would get way off course. And my dad said, Son, you can't plow but one row at a time. Hmm. So plow that first row straight, then that'll give you the model to plow the second row straight. And what he meant by that was, don't worry about yesterday. Don't wait for tomorrow to be happy in life. Just focus on today. Do this row right. Do, the, do what your job is today the best you can, <clears throat> and it'll, it'll serve you well. Um, <clears throat> another experience that I like to share with people is <clears throat> he would do um, – you know, little construction projects because you had to supplement income back then any way you could. Uh, and so one day we were out, uh, he was building a little block, cinder block wall. And my job was to help bring the block over to him when he needed the block. It was cold that day and, and invariably I'd be standing there with my hands in my pocket, you know, and the block would be there and I would see the block and I knew the block needed to be moved from where they were to over next to him so he could lay the block. But I would wait till he would tell me, move the block. And finally, one day he said, son, you'll never go get anything done in life with your hands in your pocket. Mm. And what he meant by that was, take some responsibility here. You don't have to wait till I tell you to move the block. You know the block needs to be moved. Be responsible. Get your hands out of your pocket and go ahead and do it before somebody tells you to. Pretty big lessons in what life. Great lessons. And yeah. can it be applied in so many aspects of our life? Right. I, I love that. Um, 
I want to talk about uh, this purpose thing. And I, again, I know you're extremely passionate about it. And I, I have to tell you, I've, I've, I've tried to do some homework. I've listened to several of your interviews. I've read several of um, uh, the articles about you. And, I, and you often refer to a moment in life uh, where things change for you. And we were talking about this earlier. And I, I'm intrigued by that because I, I had a similar experience in my life where, you know, direction shifted. Uh, a priority shifted a little bit, but you refer to it as a time where you hit the wall. Yeah. And I, I'm wanting to, will you share that? What is, what was that moment? What was that like? And what did that, uh, what happened after that? So, so growing up in the environment I did, um, uh, very impoverished as I described, um, <clears throat> I came out of that as most people do, particularly in alcoholic families. They've done a lot of studies on this. Um, and I came out of that very driven, very driven to get ahead, mostly because I wanted to get away from the childhood that I had. So up till I was about 28 years old, I was just driving, 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 climbing the ladder, you know, graduated number one from a school of business at East Carolina, got a great job, got married, got a house, got a car, got a boat. I'm doing all the things that the world said would make me happy. Uh, and, and I was driving towards that as fast as I could, uh, and I literally hit a wall <clears throat> where one day I was out cutting the grass. I could take you right to that very point uh, in, in Charlotte, actually, uh, today, way back in 1978. Um, but the, wall, the world crashed in on me, and what the world basically left me with a, with a feeling of fear and a feeling of confusion, a feeling of anxiety, because it wasn't working. Because everything that the world told me was that if I did all this stuff, get these good grades, get this good job, if I could get all this stuff, then it would make me happy. And it did make me happy. It made me totally miserable. Uh, and so uh, coming off of that, I said, I've got to figure out life. It's not what everybody told me. I've got to figure out life. And I went through months and months and months of self-awareness, self-introspection, a lot of praying, a lot of crying, a lot of trying to figure out life. Uh, and to be very honest, uh, I figured out I couldn't figure it out. And, and one day I pulled over beside the road, uh, and uh, I, I pulled over, and, uh, you know, I'm a grown man, but I cried like a baby, and, you know, I just looked up to heaven, and I just said, God, I don't, I don't know if you even know me, but I believe you're there, uh, and I need help. I need help because I can't do this by myself. Uh, and at that moment, I had this great feeling of peace, almost like a hand reached down and took my hand. And from that moment on, I knew I was not by myself. And so I started then the real journey in life, which was to find my real purpose. And as I went further down that journey, the, my purpose became clear to me, which is to make a positive, meaningful impact on the lives of as many people as I can. My purpose is not to get rich. My purpose is not to be CEO of the bank. It's not any of that. I thought it was, but it's not. Uh, my purpose is to try to make the world better. Wow. Wow. What a, what a moment. I mean, um, some people go their whole lives without having that kind of moment and that kind of reflection, but you did. You had that moment. And, and when that happens, you can, you can choose to ignore it, or you can choose to make that change. And so you walk away from that moment, and now you have purpose. And you talk about that purpose and how that purpose drives the mission. 
right? From that purpose, you come up with the mission, and that mission is governed by a set of values. And that's the formula. That's what came to you in that moment, and that's what you've been able to build these companies off of, and that's the model that you've used in leadership. Yes, exactly. And along the way, I was fortunate. Uh, our company, Truist, BB&T uh, <clears throat> back then, pardon me, <clears throat> we, uh, we have been in the leadership development business for about 40 years. Um, we actually started using a company, then we bought the company, and now we continue to develop it. But We've spent a lot of uh, time and en energy really understanding le leadership uh, and how to become a better and more effective leader. Some people think that leaders are just born. You either are one or you're not. That's just not true. Anyone can be a great leader. And by the way, everyone is a leader. The question is, are you a good leader or you're a great leader? Uh, and so we teach the principles of how to be a, a great leader. Uh, and centered on those principles is your fundamental beliefs, your fundamental purpose in, in life. Uh, and so as I went along uh, through this journey, uh, we as a, as a group uh, learned that uh, we could actually develop a, a clear leadership model. Uh, and we, we teach that model right now at the Truist Leadership Institute. It's a simple model, so everybody can get it. Uh, and it's a model that we show it in our clockwise fashion, starting at the top with beliefs and then behaviors and then results. Uh, because most people in life realize that if you're going to change results, whether it's in your business, whether it's in your home, your kids' behavior, if, if, if you're going to change results, you have to change behaviors. Uh, but what most people do not understand is that if you're going to change behaviors on a sustained basis, you have to change beliefs. Here's why. Because people act in a way that is consistent with their beliefs. Mm. And so what leaders do, parents are leaders, think about what you did when you were a parent, when your ch children were young, what did you try to do? You taught them beliefs. If you were a good parent, you taught them core values, good beliefs that would guide their behaviors and end up with good results in their life. Uh, and so I tell people, you know, leaders like a teacher, like a preacher, you know, we're always telling uh, the same stories, trying to get the message across so people will believe what we think will be good for them to believe. And that's what leaders do. It's a simple but powerful idea. I think that's incredible. And so you walked away from your hitting the wall moment with purpose, and that drove your leadership style, right? All right. of a sudden, it was making a meaningful impact on people. Right. That was what was driving your behaviors. Right. And so I think it's fascinating. And this is something that we've experienced here at Hoopaw Grading. Brian McManus realized at some point that we needed to get away from bosses. Right. We needed to get away from managers and we needed leaders and we needed to train those leaders. And to train leaders, you got to invest. You got to invest money. You got to give them a facility. You got to, you got to teach them how to do that because they're not born with that to your point. And um, you, I've heard you talk about there's a difference there between directing and controlling versus leading. Right. And so tell me about that. Like, you have this. You have this natural leadership ability. And I can tell because I can see how your team respects you. And you've earned that from them. When did it become apparent to you that, hey, now i got to teach this, right? It's not good enough for me just to be a great leader. Right. Now I've got to teach others to be great leaders. So as I moved up the ladder in the organization, um, you know, I, my, my responsibility started getting larger. So when I started out, I was just a loan officer, and then I had some loan officers reporting to me. First thing you know, I had a region. And when I had a region, it was pretty big. 
uh, and I realized that no longer could I direct and control. And, and by the way, for the, those of you uh, the, uh, listeners that studied this in college, way back when I went uh, to college, they would teach five steps to, to management, plan, organize, staff, direct, and control. And the emphasis was on directing and controlling. Uh, and that doesn't really make any sense because when you are a manager uh, uh, of a small operation, you can probably direct and control it because there's a few people and you can get up every morning and tell three people what to do. But when you're an organization like ours now with 54,000 teammates, I can't possibly go out and tell everybody what to do and I can't control to see if they did it. So this notion of management breaks down really fast. Uh, when you when you move up in organizations. And it's never even good at the lowest level, to be honest, because nobody wants to be told every day what to do. People want to understand the context. They want to understand the vision. They want to understand the purpose of the organization. They want to, they want to have some latitude. So even at the lowest level, it's better. But as you go up, then it's impossible. So, so what happens for most people who do not trans, transcend from a manager to a leader is the organization that they're managing is capped out in its performance. Mm. That's why you see companies that stall. So you, you see individuals in their careers stall because they're still trying to manage. And a lot of the reason they're still managing is because they're trying to direct and control. And a lot of the reason they're re- trying to direct and control is the same reason I did. Because deep down inside, they're insecure uh, and, and they don't want to take the risk of things happening that will make them feel that insecurity. So we bury all these feelings that we develop when we were two, three, four, five, six years old. Everybody has them. There are good things that happen when you're a little child. There are things that are not so good that happen when you're a little child. It's all in your subconscious. It all comes up and influences your conscious and how you behave and the results that you get. So, so the real key to leadership is to begin to understand here, I'm thinking like a three-year-old. I'm thinking like a four. I'm acting. I'm directing. I'm yelling. I'm screaming. I'm doing all these bad behaviors that you see managers do. Why? Because it's, they're acting out what they did when they were three or four years old. They don't realize it because as an adult, you know, they've buried this deep down in the subconscious. What we do at our Leadership Institute, and there are other places you can, you can do this, but you need help typically to learn about yourself, to get in touch with what's driving your thinking, what's driving your beliefs. And then you need to take those beliefs out as an adult and look at it and say, this is the way I'm acting because of this belief. But this belief came from when I was three years old. It doesn't make any sense anymore. So I'm going to change that belief. And then I can change that behavior and I'll get better results. That's incredible. And you're exactly right. That direct and controlling can be motivational, but it's not inspirational. Right. Right. And until you give that that team member the vision and the purpose and their role in that greater purpose in that vision like you don't have their heart right you got their back and hands but you don't have their heart yet that's right you you can hire somebody to be an employee and you can pay them and you can make them do certain things and they'll they'll do the least they can do to get the paycheck that you promised them or you can set up an environment so they can be a part of an organization that has a purpose that is exciting to them. And they will be there, you know, they need the money, so they'll take the money, but that's not why they're there. They're there because they're with a group of people that have a shared belief that want to accomplish something that's worthwhile in life. Because what all of us as individuals ultimately in life want is a sense of peace and happiness. 
And that sense of peace and happiness comes from a purpose that makes a difference. And it's not about making money. It's not about how big your house is or how many cars you have. It's about whether or not you believe your life mattered and you made the world a little bit better. You're exactly right. And you talk about that quite often. You talk about how you've learned success does not equal happiness. So happiness, according to Kelly King. Tell me about that. What is happiness? What is the secret to happiness? Purpose? Yeah, the pur- purpose is what drives ultimately a sense of happiness. Uh, and happiness you could describe as peace, fulfillment, achievement. You know, those words that we use are really that sense of, you know, my life matters. So, so what you ultimately want to do in life is you want to find your place. You want to find, in my view, your God-given purpose. Um, that is why you're here on this earth. Everybody, I believe, has a very specific, unique purpose. Nobody can accomplish your purpose except you. And your life matters. Your purpose matters. The world will not be complete without you accomplishing your purpose. And so that's why it's so important to the world. And it's so so important to you because you're never going to achieve that sense of peace, that sense of of happiness, uh, unless you get in touch with what that purpose is. You can go through your whole life and you can have a job and you can accumulate assets and all that. You just won't end up feeling a sense of of happiness. So you'll be successful the way the world describes it. But the way I describe success and happiness is to go hand together. So happiness and success is about doing something that's worthwhile, that makes a contribution to the world, that brings you a sense of peace and a sense of fulfillment, a sense of my life matters. I call that happiness. I think that's a great formula right there. And I I think that um, having that purpose, and I would even say tack on the hope piece of it too. You know, to understand, number one, what's my purpose in this world? What's my purpose in this life? But to know, even if that purpose is not the thing that fulfills you, to know that it's part of something else and that you've got the hope of uh, that you, your, your life matters. You're here for a reason. And whether you experience that now or you experience that later, you've got that hope. Um, and Kelly, I want to talk to you. You've been pretty vo- vocal about your faith, and uh, mm-hmm. your faith's a huge part of your story. Yeah. And sometimes that doesn't pair well in corporate America, right? Uh, so how have you managed to, to balance that? And you use your platform to not point back to yourself. You constantly use your po- platform to point back, number one, to God, and then to your team. Mm-hmm. So how have you been able to manage that in the world that you live in? Well, you know, I'm very clear. Uh, some, someone um, said to me some many years ago, said, uh, you know, Kelly, you need to remember that BB&T is a secular organization. And my answer was, I'm not confused about that. I get that. Um, and I said, in fact, um, you know, if the God that I believe in had to use my corporate title, my corporate power to accomplish his purpose, it wouldn't be much of a God. So, so not only do I not believe in uh, using corporate power to influence people's belief, uh, I think it would be demeaning in terms of my relationship with God. That's not what God calls me to do. He doesn't call me to use my corporate power to try to influence people. I think what God calls me to do is to live what I believe. And, and my, what I believe is that the Bible is fundamentally clear, and it says two basic things. It says, love God and love your neighbor. 
So when you hear my purpose, which is to make a positive, meaningful impact on the lives of as many people as I can, that's love your neighbor. The organization that I work for has the purpose, which is to inspire and build better lives in communities. That's love your neighbor. So I have been blessed in that my alignment with the company that I've worked for all these almost 50 years has been completely aligned. That doesn't mean I have to hang a shingle on my company and say, this is a Christian organization or, you know, hand out Bibles every time somebody comes in the bank. It just means that I live out personally my purpose, uh, to, which is to love my God and, and, and love my neighbor. And if people see that as uh, a way of life that is inspiring to them and something that they would like to have, then they may choose to follow that. They're never going to find me trying to push them uh, with regard to that. Incredible. Incredible. And, Kelly, I'll tell you, there's not a lot of CEOs that uh, would say what you just said right there, and I, I'm inspired by it. I appreciate that. Uh, the fact that you are willing to acknowledge that God didn't need Kelly King to create Truist, Truist Bank. God allowed Kelly King to be a part of his work, and you chose to use the gifts that you've been given to achieve the purpose that he had for you. And I think that's incredible that, number one, you recognize that, and number two, that you're, you're willing to share it. Right. And um, let me ask you this. Uh, one last question. So in your role, you're at the top, right? You're, you're in this leadership role, and you've got 55,000 yeah. team members. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you're always on your game. You're always up. You always have to be positive. You always have to be encouraging. You always have to be inspirational. And I'm sure that at times that is taxing to do that. Do you have someone in your life that does that for you? Like you're constantly having to do that for 55,000 people. Who does that for Kelly King? Well, there, there are really two, two ways that I am lifted up. Uh, my wife is my best partner. Uh, and uh, we have a great, great, great loving relationship. And, you know, I'll have my bad days and I have my down days. And she, she's, my, she's my psychiatrist. She's my psychologist. She lifts me up. But uh, more important than that, and that's super important, but more important than that is uh, I start my day every day with Bible study. I mean, I, I go back to the source of my beliefs. I, I'm always practicing that leadership model, beliefs, behaviors, results. So I start my day every day with dedicated focus on what my fundamental beliefs are. Uh, and that sustains me and encourages me. Uh, and I can't say every single morning, but most mornings, you know, when I, uh, when I get up off my knees and I study the Bible and I, and I walk out of my little study, um, I'm pretty uplifted because I'm clear about, about what my purpose is. See, see the, the challenge in life, the reason people get frustrated and they get depressed is because they don't have the clarity of purpose. If you don't have clarity of purpose in life, then most any obstacle can derail you. But if you're clear about your purpose, you'll have problems. Everybody has problems. The question is, what do you do when you hit the bump in the road? If you don't have clarity of purpose, whether it's a faith in God like mine or whether it's a secular purpose, it can, it can, it can serve as a secular purpose. Uh, but but uh, if you don't have clarity of purpose, then it leads to the question of, well, why are you here? And when you hit the bump in the road, it's very frustrating because you don't have a, you don't have a direction to pull you back on the road. So, so, you know, every single day is important for everybody, whether it's faith-based or not. Uh, it is important for everybody to have a purpose that they're clear about, that they can articulate, 
uh, to themselves and to other people around them so that they can have an influence on them. If you are a leader in a company, in any organization, in a church, in a community group, wherever, you need to be able to articulate your purpose. And my best advice is you need to be sure your purpose is aligned with the company's purpose that you work for. Every company has a purpose. They just may not state it. And, and so if you're, if you're working for a company that does not align with your purpose, then go find you another job. Mm. Go, work for, go work with a group of people that are trying to do something every day so that you don't have a job. You have an opportunity to work with people that you enjoy working with, that can accomplish something important, and at the end of the day, you're very tired, you lay your head down on the pillow, and you say, wow, that feels really good. I enjoyed that today, and I can't wait to do it again tomorrow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for being here today. I know your your purpose can't be fulfilled by staying in this studio all day. So I know I have to turn you loose, but I want to thank you um, for a couple things. Number one, uh, your purpose has never been to build a legacy. No. It's not. And I can tell that you don't care about that, but you have planted seeds that will continue to produce fruit long after both of us have come and gone. And, and you should be very proud of that. Um, you've inspired a bunch of people. You have taught leaders. You have uh, you created an organization and a culture that is one to be modeled. And so that's why we wanted to have you on today. I want to thank you for, uh, for leading well. Uh, I want to thank you for leading with a purpose that doesn't point back to yourself. And I want to thank you for showing us that you can still lead you can still prosper, you can still achieve success, and you can experience happiness by choosing to serve others. Thank you for living that out. Can I, can I leave you with one final thought? I'd love that. So, so one of my concerns today is that the world is really struggling. I saw a study recently where two-thirds of the people that answered the study said that they were very unhappy. And it's because of the pandemic and a lot of things that's going on, but it's also because people just don't have a purpose in life. What people need desperately today is for someone or other, someone's to let them know that their life matters, that someone cares about them. And it's the little things in life that people need. It's to pat on the back. It's a little extra smile. It's to, hey, how are you, and wait for the answer. It's the little things that we need to do. There was a young man just a few years ago, true story, sad true story, who left his apartment in San Francisco, walked several miles to the Golden Gate Bridge, climbed to the top and jumped off to his immediate death. They found a note in his apartment that afternoon and the note said, I'm gonna walk to the bridge. If one person smiles at me, I won't jump. One person, one smile, one life. So here's my challenge to your audience. Every one of us has an opportunity every single day to be that smile, to be that pat on the back. So a challenge I give our teammates and I would leave with all of you is this. When you get up in the morning and you're getting ready, even before you greet your own family, imagine someone hands you a handful of imaginary seeds. These are seeds of hope. And every time you go out and touch someone in a special way, a little smile, a little pat on the back, just something to let them know that their life matters. In your mind, take one of those little seeds and toss it down on the ground. You just planted a seed of hope. And if you'll do that throughout your life, you won't get it perfect every day, nobody does. But do it the best you can. As your life draws close to an end, you'll be one of the lucky few who can, can look back over your life and you'll see the results of all those seeds. You'll see big oak trees. You'll see big maple trees. You'll see flowers. You'll see this garden of all those seeds that you've planted throughout your life. And you will know, you will know that your life mattered.
that's my hope and prayer for myself and for all of you. What great words. Thank you so much for sharing that. And no question, when you look behind you, there is a forest of uh, seeds that have uh, flourished. So thank you again for being with us today. Thank you for giving us some time. And uh, look, uh, con- congratulations on your retirement and, and uh, look forward to, to seeing you live out this next chapter of life. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Give Us the Dirt. Our podcast is powered by Hoopa Grading Company in Charlotte, North Carolina, and produced by Well Run Media and Marketing. Visit our website at giveusthedirtpodcast.com and subscribe to this podcast on Apple and Google so you never miss an episode.